So McConnell is giving Schumer a headache, but also ammunition. And hopefully Schumer chooses to take aim at the filibuster instead of reaching for the aspirin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast. This is episode 42. Your host, Ben Cohen, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Uh, Mike, how are you today? Well-rested, Ben. I have slept as well as I have the last couple of nights as I ever have. Donald Trump is now former President Donald Trump. We have been rid of this guy. It is about time. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done on a lot of issues, starting with COVID-19 and rebuilding our economy, getting people back to work and health care and a whole bunch of other things. But the country is in a way, way better position right now than it was since we last recorded. And for now, I'm still just breathing a sigh of relief, but it's uh, it's about time to get to work. Like you, I I um, have been sleeping a lot easier. There's a pain in my chest that appears to have uh, have have gone. You know, a big one happened um, back in November. A big like weight that was more like my stomach felt better after November, and then after the inauguration, my chest felt better. It's weird physical sort of sensation and re- and relief that this long nightmare is finally over. And I, and I posted on social media, I would not be happy to the fat orange man left the White House. And uh, <clears throat> that he did. He did. He left the White House. Um, obviously, he didn't stick around for the inauguration because he's a petty, childish little brat. Uh, but he did leave. Um, he, there was no... Um, uh, hu- the, the storm, as all the QAnon adherents uh, were warning about. Um, so according to QAnon theory, uh, that they're... There was the quiet before the storm. Then there was the storm where Trump would assume would. Then there would be the storm where Trump would assume control of the government, um, and then make arrests and uh, you know basically break up the democratic paedophile cabal. Um, so that was all supposed to happen, and he was supposed to t- you know take back his rightful position as leader of the free world with all the Democrats and Obama uh, in prison um, for sex trafficking, and that didn't happen. Um, I was, you know, I was amazed. I thought the Q guys were were onto something, personally. You know, I mean, it made a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what a great day. I thought the inauguration was great. I thought Biden did a very good job. It was a, it was a great speech. Um, you know, he said what he had to say. Uh, the right people were there, enough celebrities to make Trump jealous. Um, all the celebrities that Trump probably wanted to get to his inauguration uh, went to Biden's, which was... Uh, which was nice to see. Um, I, I think it couldn't have really gone any better. I mean, obviously, I don't think you know Biden is is no Obama, right? I mean, it wasn't it, it wasn't um, the most amazing speech ever, but it was a good, it was a damn good one. And I think he hit this, you know, he hit the right notes. I don't want to get into the kind of like you know, this this the, too much into the stylistic aspects of of uh, politics. I'm not really into that kind of thing. But I thought you know it, it, these things are important, and he did a good job. I thought the speech was great. Uh, Chris Wallace of Fox News said that it was the best inauguration speech he's ever heard, and he's heard a lot of those. He, yeah, he hit all the right notes. You know, it was quite the contrast from four years earlier with Trump's American Carnage inaugural, which prompted George W. Bush to say that was some weird shit. This was the exact opposite (laughs) of that. 
And it was it was nice to and again, like you, I'm not into the stylistics. At the same time, it's nice to watch a normal sounding president give a normal sounding speech. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. and not it, right. And just hitting all the right notes, as you said, outlining the problems that we face and what we're going to do to address them. And, you know, unity, and we'll get into this, unity featured prominently in his speech, just like it featured prominently in his campaign. He ran on a pledge of uniting the country, and, and that's the line he's sticking with. But and he jabbed we, at Trump, you know. They, they, he took some. They took some, you know, not direct jabs at Trump, but he, he, you know, they talked about the about truth mattering and, um, you know, uh, the importance of being honest with people. And I think you know these were direct hits, not direct, but indirect attacks on Trump. And he didn't mention the guy once by name. Yeah, he didn't have to. He didn't have to because yeah. everyone knew. Everyone knew what he was referring to when he talked about you know valuing truth instead of lies. I mean, that, that was obvious. I mean, the, the country has been lied to by the White House for the last four years, and Biden is letting people know that he's turning over a new leaf. Now, that doesn't mean that, that this administration will be spin-free. Every administration does spinning and massaging of the facts, if you will, and yes, some bullshitting. Every, every president, oh, cool. presidential yeah. administration does that. But the, just the n- nature of the last four years of the previous administration, it was just straight up lying. It was looking you in the eye and saying things that were just demonstrably false, not even attempting, not even allowing themselves to be tethered to reality in any way, shape, or form. Like, bullshit is what the, what the Trump administration did so often was just straight up lying. Instead of bullshitting, instead of like kind of like taking something and like weaving this convoluted thing. Yes, they did their fair share of bullshitting, but when they couldn't bullshit, they just straight up lied. Yeah, and and you know it it is like like you were saying right. There's in politics there are sort of you know everybody knows that politicians are slippery, right? You know that's the nature of the game. That's that's the that's the name of the game, right? You have to being hundred percent honest is 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 that you're never gonna get that. Right, it's never going to happen. Right, no politician is 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 a hundred percent transparent. Right, they have to be fairly. You know, wouldn't say they don't have to lie, but they have to be slippery. Right, in some cases, um, you know, being a politician is is. I mean, that that's that's what it means. You know, if you if you're behaving like a politician, it basically means that you're being quite um, uh, evasive, and that's normal and that's fine. You know, it's like. But they're not presenting an alternative reality, you know? And I think that's the difference, right? It's like, that's all we should really ask from our politicians, right? Is that they don't, it's not mind-bending. You're not, they're not saying, you know, Trump's, it was the biggest inauguration ever, right? Biggest inauguration inauguration in history. I mean, Sean Spicer actually said that. And you're just thinking, he knows he's lying. He knows that we know he's lying, Right. And yet he still does it. I mean, it was sort of like surreal theatre. I, I, it was, you know, it made you question reality because they are not attached to it, and they, and they were so sort of um, dedicated to presenting this completely alternate, alternate reality, this fictional place where everything Trump 
does is like the you know you know what I mean. He's the greatest. He had the greatest administration ever. They they were the most successful. Um, you know the best economy in you know in the history of anything any anywhere. And you just think like this, you know, it's just nonsense, and it's not. It, you can't live in a sort of a, a functioning. A, no functioning society can survive with that type of misinformation and willful kind of. Um, uh, what, what what would be the word for it? Um, I don't, I don't know. You know. Yeah, it's they're constantly gaslighting the public, and. I think psychologically it, it, it wears you down over time, you know? I mean, and I think that that's what, um, there's, I think it was Gary Kaspar of the chess grandmaster who's from Russia said that, you know, the point of totalitarian regimes is to basically make, is to bamboozle your senses. Right. So, um, to the point where you're so sort of, um, confused and, and, um, fatigued by all of the lying, uh, that most people just say, well, you know, who knows what's true anymore. Right. So the pu- the purpose is to destroy the truth, and once you've dest- destroyed the truth, that's when you that's when you can you know you, you assume power, and that's what Trump the Trump administration did. They destroyed the truth to the point where thirty to forty percent of the nation have no concept of what reality is, like genuinely no concept of, of of what the real world is, and that's really 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 scary, and it's very refreshing to see people coming into power who are attached to reality, you know, who are accountable. You know, if they get caught lying or saying something that's, you know, clearly nonsensical, you know that there, there's going to be some accountability. Uh, and with the Trump administration, not only was there no accountability, um, that you got the more you lie, the, the more the higher up you'd get in the Trump administration. You know, and when you've got the the, the president of the United States lying about absolutely everything. I mean, who cares? Nobody's, if people just in the administration stopped caring about what reality was or what the truth was. And that's a dangerous place to be. And I think that that's why, you know, the Trump, um, the, the Trump, that's why people were so relieved. I, I feel so relieved that it's over, you know, um, that I'm not excited about Biden, not particularly. I think he's good, you know, I think it's great. Um, but I'm not excited. I'm relieved. Relieved is the word. So right away, President Biden signed a slew of executive orders, and let's let's just run down the most notable ones. He halted construction on the border wall by getting rid of the declaration that had been used to fund it. Um, you'll recall that Trump signed an EO basically uh, reallocating money for the Department of Defense to build his border wall because Congress wouldn't fund it. So that's done for. He signed an order undoing Trump's expansion of immigration enforcement within the U.S. He signed an executive order reversing the Trump administration's uh, restrictions on, uh, basically he signed an executive order undoing Trump's Muslim ban, um, where Trump barred entry to passport holders from seven different Muslim-majority countries. Biden signed an EO requiring non-citizens to be included in the census. That was a big one. The Trump administration did not want non-citizens included in the U.S. census, even though there is nothing in the Constitution uh, prohibiting them from being counted. Um, The census is about counting people in given places and not necessarily citizens. Biden also signed an executive order rescinding Trump's 1776 commission, which Trump created to counter the 1619 project. 
1776 commission was designed to set uh, informal guidelines for a, what a quote-unquote patriotic education would look like. And the, the day after our last podcast came out, on Martin Luther King Day, Trump released the 1776 commission's report. And it's basically a, a just a, an unfootnoted whitewashing of American history, just like downplaying of slavery and racism. It, it's been widely panned by historians just across the board. Uh, Biden also signed an executive order canceling the Keystone XL pipeline. He signed an executive order uh, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. He also signed an executive order stopping the United States withdrawal from the World Health Organization, which is what Trump had initiated, but hadn't quite happened yet. We, were, we weren't formally out of the WHO yet. Uh, Biden is now putting a halt to that process. And so, yeah, that's, that's where we're at at the moment. Just a, just a flurry of executive orders, some of them undoing things that Trump did. And of course, Republicans are pointing to this and cynically saying, this is, these aren't examples of unity. This isn't how you, you unite the country. You ran on uniting the country. How does this unite the country? How does it unite the country, Ben? I mean, who cares? I, this is my, I think that uh, my perspective now, which I think clearly is the Biden sort of line on this, is who gives a shit what these guys think? Who cares? Right? They're going to complain whatever you do, so you might as well do what you want to do. You might as well do exactly what you want to do uh, and, and let them kick and scream and moan and whine about all of this. I, I, I just think it's great. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I got a question, though. I, yes. I got a question. I, I agree with you. But in terms of rhetoric, in terms of narrative, Biden ran on unity, and Republicans can point to this, that, and the other thing with varying degrees of seriousness or unseriousness and point to that as an example of Biden being hypocritical or Biden not doing what he promised to do. So if you're in the Biden administration, if you're on the, the comms team, mm-hmm. how do you handle something like that? Because yeah, they're just- not going to come out and say, which is you know, what we would be fine with. They're not going to come out and say with well, we don't care what you think. Screw you. But like how, like as a, as a PR professional, which you're not, I'm just asking you to imagine yourself being one in the Biden administration. How do you handle this? You basically, what you'd say is you'd say, hey, look, uh, we won by, yeah, I'd say, hey, we won by 7 million votes uh, and we won a landslide in the Electoral College. Um, and that's basically using your own definition of a landslide. So we have a mandate to lead. We have a mandate to govern. Uh, this is what, this is Biden's agenda. He won a huge, huge victory on that agenda, and that's exactly what we're going to do. You know, um, the Trump part. Trump spent a lot of time. Um, Trump passed all of his stuff with very, very little. You know, he lost the popular vote. Uh, one of the least popular presidents in history. In in history. Uh, and he basically rammed through things that were deeply unpopular. We're passing things that are popular, and we have a mandate for. So yeah, that's that's the end of this end of discussion. I wouldn't even bother. I wouldn't even bother trying to reach out to to um, the other side in that way. You don't want to antagonise them, but you just don't. You don't bother saying, "Yeah, we're, you know, we're going to listen to what you have to say, and we're going to enact things that you want enacted." Republicans are going to look to obstruct Biden at every turn, and so. It, between that and the fact that most congressional Republicans have not recognized that Biden won the election legitimately, mm. if you're in the Biden administration, you can just say, look, look, most Republicans in Congress refuse to recognize the fact that I won the election legitimately. The Senate Republican caucus 
They're threatening to filibuster this, that, and the other thing. I've reached out to them. They do not want to compromise. So yes, I ran on a message of unity and that's what I plan to do. But it has become abundantly clear to me that congressional Republicans have no interest in that. So I can't, I can't work with somebody who doesn't want to work with me. And so I'm going to do everything I can now to implement my agenda. And if they don't like it, they had their chance and they passed on it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think both arguments are entirely valid. You know, I think both are true and valid. And <clears throat> but the, uh, ultimately, it, I think it doesn't they have no leg to stand on Republicans about anything, I mean, literally nothing. They've, they obstructed Obama. They spent eight years obstructing Obama um, for no reason. When Obama reached out to them over and over and over and over and over again, uh, they didn't want to know. Mitch McConnell presided over, you know, this, and he was Senate Majority Leader uh, and basically turned turned the Senate into a sort of um, partisan sort of uh, ground for warfare or a sort of a pissing contest, really, for, for power. And, um, you know, he, they did this. And that's the game that they have created. They created this game. It's a game based on power. It's a, it's a game based on leverage. How much power do you have? How much leverage do you have? You know, maximize, maximizing power, right? And that's exactly what Biden should do. And that's, I think, what they're, do, what they're doing. You know, interestingly, uh, if you look at the way that, you know, b- b- the first day was clearly there to send a message, right? He's sending a message to the nation, basically saying, I'm not fucking around. This is what I'm doing. We, are got, we have a mandate and we're going to use it. We have political capital and we're going to use it. We were in a dire state at the moment and the country desperately needs to go in a different direction. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And a lot of people in Biden's administration are, uh, are Obama veterans, right? A lot of the pe- people being appointed um, are have worked with Biden before, have worked with Obama before, and they know how this game goes. They know they spent eight years dealing with Republican bullshit. Uh, and I think they're not up for it again. You know, I think they've learned and they're going to just do what they want to do. I mean, Tucker Carlson, which brings brings us to Tucker Carlson, our good friend, uh, Mr. Smug White Supremacist, who must be s- sick as a dog um, after watch, after seeing um, uh, Trump lose. And uh, he, he had a segment on his show uh, this week, this past week. And you can tell that he... You know, he accusing Biden of being a, a, a liberal and uh, a dangerous liberal and wrecking the country. And so, look, I mean, if Tucker Carlson is is this angry and is this upset, it can only be a good thing. I'm, I'm going to play. I'm going to play a little clip from Tucker Carlson's show this past week, and uh, where you basically see, you know, what um, how how the right is digesting this. If you want to know what the sort of Trump Republicans are thinking. Go to all the intelligent Trump Republicans are thinking you need to listen to Tucker Carlson. And this is what Tucker Carlson had to say. By the way, what are those bigger things that Joe Biden is worrying about? Well, since this happens to be Joe Biden's maiden day on the job, we can actually answer that question with some specificity. You can tell what people care most about by what's at the top of their to-do lists. At the top of Joe Biden's to-do list were two things, opening the borders and crushing our country's last remaining independent economic sector. So that's what he's doing. First, Biden signed an executive order revoking the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. Now, no matter how you feel about fossil fuel, and if you drive a car or fly on airplanes or use the hospital or enjoy electricity, you might want to think carefully about how you feel about fossil fuel. There is no question, and there's no getting around the economic effect of this decision. Millions of Americans don't have jobs right now. 
But with a single shaky signature, Joe Biden just put another 11,000 people out of work in this country, just like that. But he wasn't done. Biden also instructed the Department of Homeland Security to halt deportations of illegal aliens. And when we say illegal aliens, by the way, pretty soon we won't be allowed to say illegal aliens because it'll be hate speech and therefore illegal. But tonight when we say illegal aliens, we mean millions of illegal aliens, not just the countless undocumented Americans that Joe Biden tells us are busy curing cancer, winning Nobel Prizes, and in general being a lot more impressive than you have ever been. But this doesn't apply simply to them. Biden's orders also includes non-Nobel Prize winning illegal aliens. That means criminals, rapists, murderers, other people who are dangerous to you and me. So the message is clear. If you break our laws to get here and commit violent felonies once you arrive, sometimes against American citizens, Joe Biden will reward you with blanket amnesty. And there you have it. That's how the right is interpreting um, Biden's first day in office. Well, that's what their viewers and constituents demand, right? I mean, I remember, and maybe I'm misremembering, but back in 2009, after right after Obama was inaugurated, I remember watching Sean Hannity to see how he reacted to it. And he kind of took like a wait and see attitude, even though like we knew you knew where he was going to land eventually on Obama. Like he was he was kind of backing off Obama on day one to at least like give the pretense that he was giving Obama a fair shake when (laughs) that just wasn't going to happen. But now it's like just right out of the gate, like day one. No, there's no grace period whatsoever. It's attack, attack, attack. And that that's what um, concern, consumers of conservative media expect of their cable news hosts and their radio show hosts. And it's going to be what Republican voters expect of their elected officials. So, you know, in this landscape, like there's really not a whole lot of goodwill toward Joe Biden on the other side. And in fact, Two things are going on here. One is your gu- your garden variety demonization of Democrats by Republicans. Oh, you know, soft on crime, soft on illegal immigration, you're socialist. That's been the standard play for decades. But on top of that, we have a situation where Joe Biden is not considered the legitimate winner of the presidential election by a large chunk of the country. Something like three quarters of Republicans think that Donald Trump actually won the election. So that creates even more incentive to demonize Joe Biden and demonize the Democrats who supposedly stole this election away from Donald Trump. And also when you're demonizing people and you're just you're telling your constituents or your viewers whoever it is how awful these people are, how the hell can you go and then try to make a play to go work with them? At any level, like if he's the illegitimate president, if he's bringing socialism to America, you're not going to be able to compromise. You're not going to be able to do a deal with the other side and then go to your constituents in a Republican primary and say, I'm doing what's best for America. When your primary challenger can say, ah, you voted with Joe Biden on this. You voted with the Democrats on this. That's a tough sell. So the plan for conservatives is going to be obstruct obstruct, obstruct, and demonize and demonize and demonize. And that's what we're seeing now. They do not want to compromise at all. And that's what we're seeing in the Senate. And just I'll give a quick overview of what's happening in the United States Senate right now. The Democrats have a majority in the Senate. It's technically 50-50, but Vice President Harris would break any tie votes. So the Democrats have a majority. However, 
even though regular business in the Senate is going on as usual in terms of floor actions and holding hearings on Biden's nominees, the Republicans are still chairing the committees. New members of the Senate, like Ossoff and Warnock and Alex Padilla, who was appointed to serve out the rest of Kamala Harris's term, they can't serve on any committees until this gets sorted out. They haven't been seated on any of them. So McConnell is is obstructing the, the passage of what's called an organizing resolution, which is what needs to pass. It's basically a set of rules on how the 50-50 Senate will operate. And McConnell is threatening to filibuster it because he wants a provision in there that says that Democrats will not attempt to abolish the filibuster because he wants to be able to block any legislation that Democrats want to pass if he feels like it. And that's what he'll do. That's absolutely what he will do on on big ticket legislative items, on even medium ticket legislative items, on any legislative items that he doesn't necessarily care what it does in terms of the the actual like policy effects. But if he thinks it's going to help Joe Biden win re-election or if he thinks it's going to hurt his chances of retaking the Senate in 2022, he's going to shoot it down. So by threatening this McConnell is, he's giving Chuck Schumer, the new majority leader, two things. The first is a headache because Schumer obviously doesn't want to deal with this. But McConnell is insisting on this filibuster that uh, he is insisting that Democrats pledge not to eliminate the filibuster as part of the Senate rules, which if you ask me before McConnell demanded this, I don't think Schumer would be inclined to get rid of the filibuster which is what he would be able to do right now as we speak, by the way. And this brings me to the second thing that McConnell is giving Schumer, and that is ammunition, to get rid of it. So some Senate Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, they've been staunchly opposed to eliminating the filibuster. And McConnell, in this this gambit of his, he's banking on people like that to remain steadfast in their opposition to filibuster reform. But there's a chance that I think McConnell is overplaying his hand here. Joe Manchin is set to become the chair of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee, but McConnell is preventing that from happening at this moment with his filibuster threat. There comes a point where even moderate Democrats who are squeamish about getting rid of the filibuster say, look, we're the majority. We also won the White House. We can't kick off the 118th Congress by allowing the minority to dictate how things are going to run. Back off your filibuster provision, or we're just going to eliminate it right here, right now. And we're going to ram through the organizing resolution. And oh yeah, any other any other resolutions or bills that we feel like ramming through with a 51-vote majority, that's what we're going to do. So McConnell is giving Schumer a headache, but also ammunition. And hopefully Schumer chooses to take aim at the filibuster instead of reaching for the aspirin. Because the one thing that cannot happen here is Schumer caving on this. He absolutely cannot. He would be signing the death warrant on any major piece or even minor piece of legislation that Democrats want to pass in the Senate. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting bit of um, of, uh, of kind of inside Senate baseball, really, isn't it? I mean, it's it's very uh, the maneuvering that's going on here. It's, it's it's quite complex stuff, and and there's something to be said for maybe um, you know that Mitch McConnell is is sort of I th- I think he's kind of losing his timing a little bit. Like the the guy is not reading the room as want as well as he once was, you know. And 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 I think that you know if, if he's going to continue to 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 do things like this now, yeah, he doesn't have the leverage that he once had. So 
you know, there's a good chance, I think, that Schumer will call him on it. I, you know, one hopes. But, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is very interesting to see how Republicans are behaving. Um, you know, it's incredibly interesting to see how Republicans are behaving uh, this time now. And, like, you know, listening to Tucker Carlson's clip, it's pretty clear that, you know, they've got a strategy in place. You, I always go to Tucker Carlson's, what, what are the GOP talking points? You know, how are they going to play this? How are they going to try and sell their voters, uh, sell the, their, their audience um, on, on um, you know, basically unifying, right? Because the Republicans have got, they're in real trouble. You've got Trump Republicans and you've got, you know, normal Republicans and the party is, uh, is, I, you know, will it split? I don't know, but it could do. And I think that, you know, we're witnessing a, an extreme power game happening right now. Um, and Mitch McConnell has a very, very tricky task on his hand and he has to basically try to help unify the party. Uh, but he also has to get rid of Trump. Um, I know we had this debate last week about whether Trump, whether McConnell was going to vote for impeachment, but um, you know, I, I I think that I I I think that he will. I think that this is this is they're in dire straits now, the GOP, and, and McConnell knows it, uh, and he's going to have to put out something. You know, they're going to have to basically they won't be able to continue as is and, until um, until Trump is out of the party. Uh, and I think that that's the sort of the, me- the next big thing that you're going to see, right? He's delayed the, he's delayed the impeachment for, two, for um, how long is it now? It's another few. Uh, he's he's asked Schumer to delay the impeachment trial to February. February, yeah. So he's you know he's I think McConnell wants more time to sort of to gauge the sort of the winds, you know, the, the political winds. Which way is the wind blowing? Uh, and he will sort of, you know, he wants to get a lay of the land. He wants to see how the, the, the dynamics play out. Uh, now Biden is in power. Um, what are the base thinking about and feeling, you know, and do they have, can he rally enough senators around him to, I think McConnell desperately wants to get rid of Trump. But but obviously the, the calculation is whether, do they then alienate the entire GOP base if they, if that happens? And, you know, there's a good chance of that, that will. <laughs> so which, is think, why, which is why I don't think there's a good chance of Trump being convicted by the Senate. I, I think it's, you know, that could be the case. That, that could well be the case that they, they don't convict him. But I think if McConnell gets behind, behind, uh, behind it, I think there's a good chance that that, that happens. Do you think there's still – last week on this podcast, you said there's a 50-50 chance the Senate would vote to convict Trump, which would require – 17 or more Republican senators to vote to convict. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, and I would, I would even put that up to 51 to 52%. Um, <laughs> because, uh, because, because of Mitch McConnell's, um, because of basically what Mitch McConnell has, uh, has been saying recently, right? I mean, um, he say, you know, McConnell said, he, he said that the, the mob attack was provoked by Trump. You know, that was, uh, that was three days ago, I think. But does that translate into 17 Republican votes to convict? Um, maybe. I think that, I, you know, if McConnell puts his mind to it, I think I don't so. think he's going to want to put his mind to it. I, I think... Let, let's, just, let's just quickly have a look at the... the, um, the, the this is what Mitch McConnell said. He said, uh, the mob was fed lies, right? McConnell uh, said on the Senate floor. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. That's quite damning. And I think that he wouldn't be saying things like this if he genuinely didn't want to, to, to get rid of this guy. You know, I think he's trying to lay the groundwork, lay the foundation for uh, an impeachment, you know, for him to be basically, they need to have a vote on whether he gets, he gets to run again, because think about how much of a disaster this is going to be. 
right? If Trump gets to run again, it's going to wreck all of their plans because he can't win. I mean, can you think of one worse than this? I mean, he's, he's completely destroyed the, the party. He's taken them out of power in, in, in ways that no other president has done. Isn't, I mean, he really has outdone, outdone himself there in terms of how much damage he's, he's caused the GOP. And McConnell, if it, he's not stupid. He's an evil bastard, but he's not stupid. And I think he understands this. And I think that he's making a big fuss about, uh, about the storming of the Capitol because he thinks that he can leverage this to, in, in order to get rid of Trump once and for all. I don't think McConnell's making a big fuss. He made a statement saying that the insurrectionists were fed lies. Now, I think he hasn't said how he would vote one way or another. But so you could say, okay, well, he said this. Therefore, I think it's likely he'll vote to convict. I could see that. Like, I don't know how he's going to vote. I'm not going to say he's going to vote to convict. It wouldn't shock me if he does. But and I said this last week, I don't think he's going to whip votes one way or another among his caucus because, you know, Trump's support within the Republican Party is huge. And I agree with you. Of course, they want to be rid of this guy. No one wants to be more rid of Donald Trump than not Mitch McConnell, but his staunchest defenders in the Senate, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, because they want to run in 2024. And so when it comes to the conviction vote, they're going to vote not to convict, but Privately, they're thinking, I would really like it if 67 senators voted to convict and then in a separate vote, 51 vote to bar him from ever running for office again, thereby clearing the way for me to run in a Trump-free primary in 2024. I agree with you there. Every Republican senator, I am sure, wants this guy barred from running from office again. However, in the nearer term, they have constituencies that are very, very Trumpy to varying degrees, but Trump is still the de facto leader of this party. Okay, put to, uh, think about it this way, right? Think about it this way: Mitch McConnell is not going to vote to impeach Trump unless he unless he's he's basically got seventeen votes to do it. He's 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 um, uh, basically convinced seventeen other Republicans to do it. Right. So he's not going to do it by himself. He's not going to be in a minority of like three or four senators to vote to convict. Right. That's not going to happen. So if he is going to vote to convict, he's going to make sure that he has enough support in it for it to happen. That, 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 that I think that that's his calculation. And I think that he's trying to figure out how he can do that. Why? What makes you say that? What, what indication do you have? Just his public statements. He'd be, he would be all, telling all he did, down. But- but all he did was say that the, the president lied to people about the election. That's it. Right. But you know, I mean, when the Senate trial happens, do you know how bad this is going to be? It's going to be fucking bad, right? They're going to have video footage. They're going to have interviews. They're going to cross-examine some of these people. It's going to be Well, wait a absolutely- minute. It's not even clear they're going to have witnesses. It's not even clear they're going to have, have witnesses here. I mean, the, you don't the, think? the term, well, I think they should, because remember the last impeachment, Democrats raised holy hell because Republicans barred any witnesses from testifying. But I think the, given the fact that Trump is no longer in office, this might be like the express wash version of an impeachment trial. So I don't think witnesses are a, a guarantee. I also don't think witnesses 
might be able to, I don't think witnesses could really add anything more to what we've already seen because all this was very much in public. The thing that Trump did that he was impeached for was in Mm -hmm. public. It was on national TV. There were 330 million witnesses to the impeachable offense, which is incitement to insurrection, which he did on television. So I, I think it would be a mistake to assume that the trial is going to go like be conducted in a certain way. And remember, the, 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 far, the further away we get from the actual incident, January 6th, the less momentum there's going to be for actual removal. Like if this trial were being held like the day after the insurrection happened, then I would say, yeah, you know what? Maybe enough Republicans would be shocked and spooked enough where they vote to get rid of this guy. But three weeks have elapsed now. And in our world these days, three weeks is a long time. And I think the longer this goes, the less appetite there's going to be among Republican senators to vote to convict this guy. And just for the final thought here on my argument is this, how much would you like to wager on this, Ben? Because (laughs) I am ready. I am ready to put a good chunk of money on a non-conviction for Donald Trump in the U.S. Senate. What do you uh, got? What do you got? Right. Give me a number. I, I, I'm going to give you a. I tell you what, I'll go up to five bucks. Five bucks. Five bucks. Is this is this five U.S. dollars or five British pounds? I know you're in the U.K. right now. <laughs> and it's say five bucks. Well, five bucks. No, no, actually, that pounds, pounds would be more money for me. Yes, exactly. So what I'm saying, I'm saying dollars. <laughs> I'm not right. that confident. Five Dude. bucks, virtual handshake. Okay, virtual handshake. We've got five bucks on this, everybody. Um, so this is this is going to be basically it's going to be a nail biter to see to see what happens. Basically, as to whether I win, I win my five dollars. So I think I'm going to. I genuinely think I am because I do think that um, uh, you know if McConnell gets on board, and I think he's going to, that they're going to they're going to whip the votes. They're going to make sure that they have enough uh, to do it. And I think that you're you know that basically the trial is going to is going to bring everything up again. Um, you're going to have more criminal convictions. There's going to be all sorts of stuff going on, lawsuits. It's going to be very, very bad. And I don't think the right-wing media is going to be able to spin it in the way that they've used to, you know, that they've tried to spin this thing. And I think the Democrats are going to do a pretty damn good job of of uh, of presenting this and making it pretty dramatic and pretty pretty damning as well. So I, I'm I uh, I'm looking forward to this Senate trial. You know, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, all the you keep seeing more and more footage keeps coming out and it, gets, it just gets worse and worse. It's worse than you think it is. Like every time you think, you know, the, the, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was just, you know, Tucker Carlson and all the kind of the, the far left and the far right have agreed now that, oh, you know, it was just a load of Yahoo's like messing around um, and it wasn't really a coup. But you watch it. I mean, they beat a policeman to death, right? That's fucking serious. Uh, I just think that the you know the 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 public sentiment is going to be they're going to be pretty angry when they when they relive all of this stuff again, you know, and and you better believe that they're going to show the footage of the policeman being beaten to death. I don't I don't think they have that footage. Or they fact they have footage of the, of of a policeman being beaten. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah, you know. Um, so anyway, we will see. We will see. Um, I, I don't. Again, I don't think it's a guarantee that they show footage, that they have witnesses. They should. I don't think that's a guarantee, though. And at the end of the day, like yes, the the more we learn about this insurrection, the more awful it becomes. But it doesn't mean Republicans don't have room to say, "Oh, that's not what Trump intended." 
he wasn't inciting them to violence. He was just speaking to his supporters who thought they had been disenfranchised and were upset about the results of the election. Donald Trump would never dream of actually inciting them to hate to, 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 to the capital, man. I mean, oh, but Ben, but Ben, <laughs> but Ben, he didn't tell them to storm the Capitol. He didn't tell them to say, hang Mike Pence. That's what they'll say. Yes, of course. I just think that it's not going to wash. I think that they're going to have a very hard time spinning it. I mean, man, I mean, I've never seen, I've never seen Republicans look that sick, right? When that happened, I mean, you had literally everybody denouncing it. I mean, you only had the most extreme people um, pretending that it was nothing. You know, Tucker Carlson did his little bit uh, blaming Democrats for it. You, you know, so, but they, they looked, I mean, you, pe- people were denouncing Trump. You, you know, in the Senate, I mean, Mitch, to hear Mitch McConnell speak like that about Donald Trump was shocking. I would just, I did not believe what I was hearing, right? That, that you'd hear that kind of language. Everybody's abandoned him. Everyone. Everyone. Chris Christie. I mean, you know, you name it. Like, all of his supporters have, have basically said, this guy is crazy. This guy incited a riot. He's shamed himself. He's destroyed his legacy. Uh, you know, and he, yeah, he incited a riot. Uh, he incited an insurrection. So, I, I think he's got, I mean, and who cares? Who, who you know, the, the guy is useless now. Yeah, he controls, he does control a lot of the Republican Party, a lot of the base, but not enough. It's not enough to win elections. So well, wait a minute. There was a poll, sorry to interrupt, there was a poll among Republican voters uh, as to who they'd like to be the 2024 nominee, and Trump ran away with it. Right, but it's still, but he, he can't win an election. He might be able to win the Republican. He might be able to. He might be able to win the, the 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 GOP primaries. He can't win a general election, right? He can't help in the in the Senate. He can't help in the House. Well, he might be able to help in the House. You know, generally speaking, this guy's a disaster. I I, I think you are being far too dismissive. You know, you say he five, can't. Five bucks. Five bucks, man. Five bucks says I'm not. Well, look. I mean, if he wants to run in 2024, he'd be the odds-on favorite, and he. To win the primary. To win well, to win the nomination, yes. But then, you know, I don't know how we can dismiss him as winning a general in 2024 when four years is a long time. The guy got 74 million votes last time out. Yes, he lost by seven million, but he got eleven million more votes this time around than he did last time. And I'll just point out that if you take three states, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. Right. He lost those states by a combined, I think it was 44,000 votes. Right. 44,000 votes is nothing. And yet if those states, if those if those small vote amounts in those three states had flipped, Joe Biden still would have won by seven million votes, but he would not be president. So. I, look, if the president were chosen by pure popular vote, I would say, yes, Trump cannot win in 2024. But because we have this ridiculous, archaic, undemocratic system for choosing the president, I don't see how you can rule him out for 2024. Uh, no, I, OK, I, I don't rule him out. But I think that um, I, I, I certainly, you know, I think Biden won a commanding victory. I think he won, you know, he won in the electoral college. He won the popular vote. You couldn't really get a clearer victory than that. Uh, it wasn't close in the Electoral College, ultimately. Yeah, it was close in key states, right? But, I mean, he lost. And he, and he fucked the Senate as well. He basically ensured that he did everything in his power 
to help to help Republicans lose the Senate. Right, the guy is toxic, uh, and and I just think that you know, uh, again, it, this would if I'm a Republican, I, I would be thinking. If I'm thinking long term about the long term survival of the party, I'm thinking you have got to get rid of this guy. You've got no choice. You have to get behind impeachment, right? There's just there's no other way out of this of this quagmire, right? Otherwise, it's just. I mean, look, you know, maybe they don't, and maybe he runs again, and you know, look, I obviously I don't want to see it again. I, I really don't want to see this guy at all ever again. But you know, it, it would if that's the best that they've got. Right. If that's the best that they've got, I'm happy for Biden to run against Trump again. You know, I, I'll take those odds. I, I actually hope we have somebody else in four years because Joe Biden will be 82 or 81. Yes. 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 Well, I might be a bit old. I agree. I agree. But I depending on how it goes, I mean, depending on how if his if his first term goes really, really, really well and his favorables are really, really, really good, then yes. But if it's like kind of borderline, like I, I think I think Biden should be open to stepping aside for somebody else to come in and, and take the reins. But that's a whole that's that's a whole big other discussion down the line. Yes. Yes. Well, look, I think, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, I'm still looking all eyes on Mitch McConnell, all eyes on, on, on how he's behaving, um, to see whether he's any indications as to how he's going to vote. Um, you know, uh, it's incredibly interesting. And I think, I think, you know, I think he's an evil bastard, but he's a smart bastard. And I think that he will, you know, that's my, that's my feeling on the situation. Um, but anyway, look, I think, I think that, that, that about does it for today. Uh, overall, I think we can enjoy the weekend. I'm going to enjoy the weekend. I've enjoyed this past week immensely. I, uh, and, and as, as have you anything else to add before we, before we leave? No, just, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend my weekend thinking about how I'm going to spend that $5 that's coming to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess in, in a, during the pandemic, there's not really much to spend it on, so you can save it. Yeah, I could maybe get like half a burrito takeout from the, uh, the Mexican joint down the street. <laughs> Might be a, a good way to spend it. <laughs> well don't count on it um all right listen everybody thank you very much for listening uh, if you enjoyed the podcast please consider becoming a banter member you can get a 50 percent discount uh in the email newsletter today just click on the link and get your 50 percent off and we'll i will see you next week and we'll see you all next week be safe and mask up